You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. I want to thank the band, thank, uh, uh, thank John, especially thank Jesus. To be honest with you, I think uh, I could go to the house right now and be fulfilled on Easter Sunday. Um, so felt like that in the first service too. Uh, you know, uh, I tell John uh, having his heart touched this morning and uh, and and all. We uh, we've been doing a series since February in our church called Real Marriage. And while that might sound like a strange topic on Easter Sunday, I think you'll see how it fits uh, once I get into it because the Bible uh, actually uses. Uh, Jesus and the church, Jesus, the bridegroom, and the church, his bride, as a picture of marriage and, and, and vice versa. Uh, so what we're talking about today is, is sacrificial love. And uh, we need to have sacrificial love in marriage if your marriage is going to work out. And uh, the way we get the perfect example of sacrificial love is Jesus. That he, uh, that he died for us on the cross. Now, since I just told you the topic is real marriage and we're talking about sacrificial love and, and Jesus died on the cross, before anyone goes the wrong direction in their mind and they start thinking about sacrificing their spouse because you're mad at them, uh, that's not the direction we're talking about in sacrifice. We're, Jesus willingly sacrificed himself for us. You'll see that as we get in the message. And we also need to willingly practice submissiveness and sacrificial love uh, for each other because Jesus gave us the, the model uh, of that. Uh, we're going to look at some verses that we've already uh, seen in this series, but uh, I think it ties everything together uh, fairly well as we end out the series today on, uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, the Bible says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You'll probably notice in your Bible uh, if you have a study Bible, one that has some topics and headings, you understand those are artificial. Those aren't inspired by God, not the verse references and things. Those were put in to help us see, all right, what's coming in these verses, how to you know, compact the Bible together, where you can find it. So uh, sometimes because uh, there's a title there that, uh, where it starts talking about wives and husbands, then we'll get the idea, especially the guys will sometime, that all right, the, the wife's supposed to be submissive and we're supposed to be something else. And everything, but I want you to notice before it starts talking about wives submit to their husbands and husbands sacrificially love your wives, which is a pretty huge form of, of submission, you know, from from the husband. It says that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So don't lose the context there, guys. Don't you know apply that the wrong way. We're told generally as believers, if you're a child of God, we're supposed to practice submission toward each other. I think that also hits the husband sometimes, wouldn't you? You know, because of that. Uh, anyway, it goes on. It says, Wives, submit your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might... Present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. So our topic today on this Easter Sunday is sacrificial love. It's a dual-fold purpose. Yes, it talks some about the marriage relationship, but especially we're going to talk about Jesus and his sacrificial love. So as we think about sacrificial love today, I want you to notice three main truths as we focus on sacrificial love. Here's the first truth. Truth number one is simply this. Sacrificial love involves submissiveness. Sacrificial love involves submissiveness. If you'll think about that, how are you going to sacrificially love someone if you're not going to be submissive you know, to the desire to do so to start with? Uh, the, the verses I read just a moment ago talked about that. Look at them again, and then we're going to break them down some. It talks about us as believers submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It talks about you know the wives submitting to their husbands as, as to the Lord, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So it's given us an illustration of Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. Who, who, uh, who beyond Jesus gives us the perfect example or illustration of submissiveness? Because you see, Jesus 
part of the triune God. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus willingly submitted to the Father's will. Jesus came here to this world. Jesus submitted to a cross. He gives us a perfect example of submissiveness and how submissiveness is, is attached to, to sacrificial love. Uh, so as we think about that and think about how submissiveness and sacrificial love fit together, I, I want us to, to begin with, notice how you and I submitted to each other ought to be reciprocal. It's really what we're told there in verse 21. It says, submitting to one another. Uh, the word, the phrase in the Greek, one another, means to, to reduplicate or repeat or double. So it kind of gives the picture of this. Someone's submissive to you, you're submissive to someone. You know, it's not the idea that, that somebody else always has to be submissive all the time, and you're never the one that's practicing submissiveness yourself. The Bible clearly tells us that we're to submit one to another. It's to be reciprocal. We're to, to, to share that. We're to submit in that way. The problem with it is this. In our culture today, submissiveness gets a bad rap a lot of times. I mean, if you start talking about, you know, submitting to someone, especially for some reason in our world today, if someone starts to use this text where it says wives submit to their husbands, automatically people say, see, those Christians are a bunch of chauvinists. You know, and, and, they'll, and they'll run to the extreme with it, and they'll not apply it in, in the right way. But being submissive is not a negative thing at all. And I want you to understand that kind of as a foundation before we talk more about sacrificial love today. Because if you can't be submissive, you're not going to practice a lot of sacrificial love. Because it requires submissiveness to be sacrificial in, in your own nature, and the way you love, and the way you respond to other people. Now, now, let me give you some reasons why being submissive should not be a negative thing. One, it, to me, is just a huge thing, and to me, it ought to be enough. But in the world we live in today, it's not enough for a lot of people. But you don't know why we ought to be submissive to one another? Because God said so, you know? I mean, really, guys, I'm sorry if that's too simplistic for you, but I, I think for those of us that are believers especially, if God tells us to be submissive to one another, that's the only reason why I need to be submissive, because God said it, that we ought to be. But he gives us some, you know, a lot of examples. If, you, if you'll think about Jesus himself, uh, the triune God, God himself uh, gives us a, a perfect example of being submissive. Uh, the triune God's God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. You, you have God the Son being submissive to the will of the Father. I mean, a lot of times it'll be tied into the sermons at Easter time. Jesus is there in Gethsemane, and he knows what's coming. He knows the cross is looming before him, and he's there in agony, and he's praying and sweating great drops of blood. And as he's doing that, Jesus is praying. He says, Father, you know, if there's some other way, you know, then, then let's go that route. But not my will, but whose? Yours be done. So Jesus himself, God in the flesh, gives us a perfect picture of submissiveness. God the Father submits to the request many times of God the Son. God the Holy Spirit is sent not to magnify Himself, but to magnify Jesus. So even the Holy Spirit has a submissive role. So you see, if God can be submissive to God, then I think we ought to learn how to be submissive in our own lives. Do you agree that ought to be the case? Another reason why we ought to be submissive and practice submission toward one another, or even wives, you know, to free you up a little bit where you don't think it's just a negative thing that, that you're being submissive, is the word that's used here in, in the Greek. Because the, the word for submit literally means this. The, the, the word means that, uh, that, that you are being a subordinate, that you are obey, obeying, that you're under the obedience of someone else, uh, that you're being placed under someone else to be put in subjection. The, the root word means really to do this, to arrange underneath in an orderly fashion. So it's not just a negative thing. In, in, the, um, in the background of that word, that Greek word is really a military term. Because you, you get this picture, and to use, you know, to where you kind of understand it better instead of me going back to the centurion thing and stuff like that that we don't have a context for in our culture. But it was a military term that talked about someone being underneath the authority of someone else. In, in other words, you know, militarily speaking, in that type of authority, you have a, a private, and the private is underneath the corporal, corporal's underneath the sergeant, da 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 da, -da all the way up to a general. Okay? A general is just as important. To God as a private, and a private is just as important as a general. Because Jesus died for both of them. So we're not talking about value, you're talking about role and function. 
If we had a military that was all made up of generals, then who's going to fight the battle, you know? If you had one that's all made up of privates, then who's going to kindly lead in that? See, part of military life is understanding that you're underneath submission to somebody. Now, last week, you know, Philip Hart was here, and we kind of said some goodbyes and prayers uh, over Philip. And I, I went Monday to, uh, to see him off over at the mall and, and, and things like that. But Philip was up here and he's going in the Air Force. Can, can I promise you something? He, he already knew it was coming, but can I promise you it became very real. <laughs> the moment Philip stepped off the bus, he understood that he was under submission to somebody else. Amen? You know? Just so happens his recruiter's here today, and his recruiter would say, yes, I told him that up front, right? That that's the way it would be, and, uh, and everything. So, you know, you're, you're under authority to somebody else. So see, it's, it's not a negative thing for us as believers to be told that we ought to be submissive because God is the one that tells us we need to be in authority to Him. Ladies, it's not hurting your value as a person if God says to be submissive. Christians, it's not hurting our value to submit to each other. Even Jesus showed us what being submissive was all about. And I'm just wanting to kind of lay a foundation for what we're going to talk about today, which is sacrificial love is the main thing I want you to get. But you need to understand that to practice that type of love, you have to have a submissive attitude. You have to be willing to submit to one another. Not just a reciprocal type of submission, but, but also a reverent type of submission. Because you see that verse goes on. And, and it says that we're to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. That, that's the reason you and I as believers ought to be submissive. The, the word reverence, we get our English word phobia from it. It's a Greek word phobos. That literally means sometimes to be put in fear, alarm, fright, or, or exceeding terror. So think about that. We One way that we can give reverence or revere Christ is for us to practice submission in our lives. Now, guys, once again, I want you to set the context because I don't want anyone going away here and going home today and sitting down at the dining room table and saying, woman, serve me, you know. What were we told before he said, wives, submit to your husbands? We're to submit to each other out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. We, we need that type of submissiveness in our, in our relationships. So one way that I can give reverence to Christ is this, by being submissive to others. And maybe if you flip that around just a little bit, if, if you have a real problem being submissive to someone else and you're a Christian, maybe the, the foundational issue is this. It's not you having trouble submitting to someone else, it's you having trouble submitting to Christ. Because your mindset, your goal is this. You are being reverent to Christ as you submit to others. Why submit to your own husbands, it says, as, as to the Lord. So if you'll think about that, we're actually given a motive for being submissive to start with, for, for giving reverent submission to begin with. There's a motive. It says, why submit to your husbands as to the Lord? And that phrase, as to, means in the same manner of. See, that ought to free you up some. Uh, a lot of times you, you think, well, I, I don't want to be submissive to him right now because I don't like the way he's acting. See, I understand that. I'm the one that acts like that sometimes. My wife's the one that has a problem because, you know, she doesn't. I'm just using that for an illustration. She doesn't have a problem with being submissive at all, but she ought to have a reason to be a, have a problem sometimes because of the way I am. See the point that I'm saying? A lot of times we'll, we'll come up with excuses and say, well, I, I don't want to submit to that person. I don't like submitting to that person. I don't like the way they're treating me. I don't like what they've done. Well, why is a, a, a method, a, a motive for you is this. You can be submissive to your husband and realize what you're really doing is this. You're being submissive to Jesus. Does that change it? Now, not, not just for a, a wife. We're talking about believers also, generally being submissive to each other. And sometimes we wrestle with that because we don't like being submissive. A lot of people just don't like authority. And we don't like having to be submissive at all. Well, the, the way that you and I need to approach that is recognize we're doing out of reverence to Christ and we're doing it as to the Lord. Our goal for submission is that we're doing it to Jesus, not to someone else. See, that frees us up to where I can be submissive to someone I might not want to be submissive to. 
Because my ultimate goal is this. I am being submissive to Jesus. I'm looking beyond who that person is, and, and I'm submitting to Christ. Whether I feel like it or not, whether I feel like submitting to somebody else, I'm, I'm doing it unto Jesus. Our, our motive for being able to practice sacrificial love is for us to sacrificially love Jesus by us submitting ourselves to others. You see, Jesus calls us to do that. So one way I love Him and practice the sacrificial love He wants me to is for me to be submissive. And the model of reverent submission is this, not just a motive. He gives us a model there for the husband is the head of the wife. Ladies, don't linger there too long, or guys, either one. Once you see the rest of it. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head. You see who the head is? He is not me. Who's the head? Jesus. And is himself its Savior. Those two things right there tell us this. Jesus is boss, and he paid for us with his shed blood. If you want to know why you ought to be submissive to Jesus, it's simply because he's boss, he's in charge, he bought you, he paid for you with his shed blood. That's why we ought to be submissive. And then it goes on and says, now as a church submits to Christ, you see, that's where our problem is, I think, in our culture today. As the church submits to Christ, also, why is she submitting everything to their, to their husbands? I, I, I was really, you know, guys, I'll tell you what, I almost threw the outline away a few minutes ago and just tell you a couple things on my heart and tell you to go home. But I couldn't get full peace about it. But I, I have wrestled with some things this week because of some discussions that I've had and, you know, kind of Facebook and, and things like that a little bit. There's, a, you know, there's this marriage amendment coming up and different things, and I kind of got in, in some, some interchanges uh, on that and, and everything. And, and the more that, that that kind of occurred and I saw the viewpoint of people uh, in our culture, it wasn't any view of the church, but, but just people in, in our culture in this area. You see, we tend to delude ourselves in believing we're in the Bible Belt of America. Uh, hey, just because there's a church on every corner don't mean we're the Bible Belt of America if the Bible doesn't mean something to you. And, and, and me just trying to, you know, trying to, in, in a clear, concise way, you know, help some people understand that, that God set the, defined the image of marriage. He, he, he defined what marriage is supposed to be, one man and one woman. God being God has the right to do that. And, and, we, as, and we as believers ought to be concerned about what the Bible says. And, and not just theologically, but biologically, if you don't you know, just believe the Bible, look at some things biologically and you can kind of figure out God made a man and a woman to be married together. Amen? But by me entering in that discussion, man, there's just this firestorm all of a sudden of people wanting to spit back and push back and everything and say, well, you know, the Bible is a, is a book that you can't stand on anymore. You don't have a leg to stand on the Bible. You know, the Bible's not, not true. And, and people even, you know, making arguments like this. Well, no one should have a law forced upon them based on the belief system of somebody else. Now, I'm sorry, guys, if you're going to get an argument with me on something like that, a debate with me, you need to think a little bit before you say a few things. Because as soon as that person said that, uh, that you know, no one should have a law forced upon them based on somebody else's belief system, I instantly thought, all right, then, it's okay to commit murder. You, you see where I'm going? Because, you know, murder is based on what? Judeo-Christian values. It's based on a belief system of somebody else. I mean, at least be willing to think logically for yourself. But I'm just telling you, the more I entered in that discussion, the more I became burdened and convinced, you know, convicted over our culture that, if, if man, if we don't do something, and we, I'm talking about the church. See, the Bible says judgment must begin where? At the house of God. Now, you might be wondering, why in the world is he jumping on all this on Easter? I'm sorry, it's just where my heart is. And See, it says, now as the church submits to Christ, so wives ought to submit and everything to their husbands. You know what I think the problem is there? The church has given an erroneous view to wives what submission ought to be. The wife ought to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ. People in our culture look at us, and we say we believe in Jesus, and we're going to heaven and, and all that stuff, but we live however we want to live and do whatever we want to do instead of taking seriously what the Bible says to our lives. So we have given an erroneous view to wives and to our culture that the Bible really doesn't matter. That God's will is not really that important. And if we as believers are not being submissive, 
to the will of God, how can we expect other people to be submissive? See, I, I just think we've given a poor example. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with me that the church is messed up? We've not given the example that, that we should of submission, and that's just really on my heart right now. And, I, and I'm telling you, uh, man, if we don't wake up and get serious about Jesus, uh, this nation's going down the sewage drain. I'm telling you. We tend to think this area, you know, because of, you know, well, this, you know, like I said, we're, you know, everybody's got a Bible and everything else. It don't matter if it don't mean something to you. It don't matter if you're not applying it. I'm sorry, that's just where my heart is, and that's about all you started here today. <laughs> sacrificial love also includes this. It doesn't just involve submissiveness, but sacrificial love includes self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Now, now that might sound simplistic, but, but think about that. Sacrificial love, we're not talking about, in terms of marriage especially, we're not talking about somebody else sacrificing for me. We're talking about you sacrificing for somebody else. Jesus died for us. Amen? The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. You, you ladies think all the stuff about being submissive is tough? Man, look what God tells the husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and did what gave himself up for her. What did Jesus do for the church? Jesus died for the church. Jesus suffered for the church. Jesus bled and died and shed his blood for the church. Practicing sacrificial love by its very nature means it's going to cost you something. It costs Jesus something to sacrificially love us. And if we're going to sacrificially love others, men, if you're going to sacrificially love your wife, it's going to cost you something sometimes. And I don't mean you just give them the credit card and say, go shopping. (laughs) It might mean you give them the credit card and you go shopping with them. To where you spend time with them. It might mean putting your hobby aside to spend a little bit of time with your wife. It might, it's going to cost you something to love your wife the way you ought to love your wife. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal when I tell this story because I've screwed it up more than I've ever got it right. But a couple of weeks ago... Uh, I had the chance to go riding on on my motorcycle with a couple of people that I really enjoyed riding with, and we were going to go over to Wilkes, and really it was about trying to set some things up still for that ride for cancer we did last Saturday and, and things like that. So I was kind of, you know, gun-ho ready to go on that. But then I kind of could figure out, you know, that, that Becky, uh, there, there's a movie that was out that she wanted to, to go see that we had not had the chance to go see yet. And it was a Thursday, which is, you know, cheaper to go Thursday than it is Friday and Saturday and things like that. So, but I kind of figured out, she thought maybe we might try and go there. But she was running behind schedule and everything like that. And she said, well, just go on and ride. And so I, so I did. I was already in Hickory with the people. And, and I took off riding. And I rode about two miles. And then at the stoplight, I just, I, I motioned and told them to, to go on. And then I picked up my phone. I called Becky, and she said, well, I thought you were going. I said, I was, but I said, I'm riding right now, getting ready to ride over to the mall, and I'm going to buy the tickets at the theater, and, and you come here even if you get here late and everything. Uh, and it was an early show. It had to be ordained of God to happen. Me and Becky had the theater completely to ourselves, nobody but her and I. I'm honest, you've been to theater, no one but you and, you and your wife, you know, you don't have to worry about, hey, we'll sit on the back to neck or anything, we had the whole thing. <laughs> so, but the only reason I'm telling that story is just to kind of illustrate that, that, you know, that cost me not a lot, but it did cost me a little something I planned to do, what maybe where my heart was. And, and everything I'm, you know, in the movie was a good movie. I'm just not into mushy movies a lot. A lot of the guys aren't, you know, and, and things like that. But it was fine. It was a good movie. But I, I just had to do that to kindly sacrificially love her. Guys, it's going to cost you something to sacrificially love your your spouse. Christians, we were told to submit to one another in reverence to Christ. Can, can I tell you something? It's going to cost you something to sacrificially love other people. 
for the church to be the church, for you to be a Christian that is going to serve Jesus and stand for Him, there will be some cost involved. It's going to cost you your time, your talent. It might cost you your money. I want to thank you guys for giving, by the way. This message isn't about giving. uh, If everyone wants to go on vacation in May, we're going to talk about generosity all the month in May, so I'll warn you up front. You know, if you want to go on vacation, because we're going to talk about giving and stuff like that then. But uh, but I, I do want to thank you for giving, because I, um, I, I, I kind of tell our leadership team on the back side of this, and I don't do anything like this often, and, and, I'll, and, and I even had a chance to talk to all of them. But God really laid upon my heart because of, of some of this cultural stuff I was talking about that, that I, I wanted to go and, and, and do something. Um, here at Easter to, to, to make a, a, a connection, a little bit of a difference. Uh, I think part of what was driving it was that in those discussions about the marriage amendment on Facebook, that, you know, one, one lady put this down toward Christians. Uh, really? Y'all don't have anything better to do than talk about a vote on marriage when there are people starving and everything like that? So, you know, the marriage amendment, if you're a Christian, I think you ought to vote God's way. You know, I think you ought to go and vote. If you're a Christian, you ought to vote for what the Bible says. At the same time, you know, the problem we have as a church, not this church, but the church in general, this church included, a lot of times all they hear, our culture, all they hear is us scream at the darkness. And the only time they hear us talk is when there's a big topic issue going on. And, 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 and you've got our culture standing over here saying, that's all you've got to worry about? What about the people that are starving? See, that bothers me. Should we make stands like for the marriage amendment? Yes, we should. But you know what? We ought to stand all the rest of the year too. I mean, our association is making signs available, and I'm going to get some and make them available for you. If you want one about the marriage amendment, they're going to put a sign out on 321. Uh, that's a digital sign, giving a message, trying to get people to vote. They've asked 17 churches to give uh, $100 to, to, to help put that out there. And, you know, I, I called and, and told them we would, we would do that. But at the same time, the reason I called and told them we would do that is I wanted to have the chance to say something and hope it would have teeth added to it by us being willing to support the sign being out on the highway. And that was this. Yes, I'm in favor of that sign on the highway, but we better be doing stuff the rest of the time too. See, our culture thinks they only hear from the church when we're against something. They need to hear from us that we are for something. They, they need to get some compassion and, and, and love coming from the church. So God had burdened my heart about it, and uh, I went up to Fair Value Friday and I talked to them, you know, to be sure it would be okay. And they had hams on sale and, and, uh, and, and chicken breast on sale. And the reason I was thanking you guys for giving, because it empowered me to be able to go and take some of our outreach funds. And what they let me do was go fill up a, a cart. matter of fact, I filled it up twice with, uh, with, with hams and, uh, and, and, and turkey breast. And I just kind of looked like I was shopping, pushing through, and I watched people. And I, every now and then I see them pick it up and look at it and talk and put it down in, in, you know, where they couldn't afford it. I even saw one lady come through that already had one in her cart, and she had already been everywhere else and realized now she couldn't afford the ham. And she brought it back and took it out of her cart and put it on the counter um, and, and everything. And God laid upon my heart to go up there and watch for people like that. And when they didn't buy it or when they put it back like that lady did, for me to step up and ask them if they need an Easter ham. And when they, said me, when they told me yes or a, or a turkey breast, uh, for, you know, for me to tell them, well, you know, Jesus wants you to have one. I didn't tell them about our church unless, unless, I didn't tell them about our church or invite them to our church unless they started asking me about our church. But I spent about two hours there Friday doing that, spent about $200 of money that you guys had given, but I think it made a big impact because I had people standing around crying. I had one lady come up after I'd already given her the ham on the other side of me having given her a ham. She came up and said her father, and this was an adult lady, so her father was evidently older, had called her and said, I don't know what we're going to do about lunch Easter Sunday. And she said, it's okay, God already took care of it. Uh, 
Now, I'm not telling that to pat me on the back because I wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been God wanting me to do it and lay it upon my heart. You empowered it by your giving. The reason I'm telling you that is this. We need to be that way more often. Amen? Not just shouting about rules and laws and things like that. We need to show up with the compassion of Jesus and the love of Jesus and make a difference in people's lives every chance we get. <clears throat> Sacrificial love is going to involve some, some self-sacrifice. It'll cost you something. Some of them might have run through their mind already. Well, but I can't help they're like they are. It's not my fault they're like they are. I don't need to give up on myself to help somebody else. Well, you know what? The reason you ought to anyway is this. It wasn't Jesus' fault either, and he died for us. Third thing about sacrificial love is this. Third truth about sacrificial love is that sacrificial love should inspire transformation in our lives sacrificial love should inspire the sacrificial love of jesus should inspire transformation in our lives the sacrificial love of a husband to his wife can bring about transformation in her life the submissive love of a wife can bring about transformation in the husband's life also in ephesians 5 verse 26 through 27 it says this, that he might sanctify her. What did it say right before that? Jesus did what? He gave himself up. He offered himself up. He sacrificed himself. He offered himself up for us to die for our sins. He gave himself up that he might sanctify her. That's talking about the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. I want you to notice some, some words of transforma transformation that was in that text, in those verses I read. Sanctify, cleansed, washing, splendor. Some translations say glory. Without spot or wrinkle or any such flaw. Holy. Without blemish. See, all those words are talking about change or transformation taking place. What I want you to see is this, the goal, the motive, the reason why you and I ought to have the desire to be more like Jesus and to serve Jesus more is because Jesus died for us, because He gave Himself up for us. See, a lot of people think, well, it, all right, I need to be a good little Christian and I need to be like God wants me to be because if I'm not, He's up in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting to get me. Or He's up there with a big stick waiting to reach down and bop me whenever I don't do what God wants me to do. See, that's the wrong motive for you and I as believers. I should not want to be what Jesus wants me to be because I'm afraid He's going to get me if I'm not. I ought to be what Jesus wants me to be because He's already gotten me, because He shed His blood for me on the cross, because He gave Himself up for me. And that ought to cause me to have the desire to be transformed, to be all that He wants me to be, so I can be part of the bride that He wants to one day present to His Father. The church, believers, we need to experience transformed, changed lives in response to the sacrificial love of Jesus. Now, someone's going to get doctrinal with me, so let me get doctrinal first. <laughs> I understand it's because of the blood of Jesus. I understand when we receive Jesus as our Savior, He takes us out of our sin and He sanctifies us. He positionally puts us in Himself and we're His forever. I understand that. That happens right away. I understand that. I understand one day as believers when we stand before God in that, in that time we're going to be transformed and be the perfect bride that we need to be at that time. But also understand this. Sanctification involves more than just that. It also involves us allowing Him to mold our lives now. And you and I ought to have the desire to let Him mold our lives now, not because we're afraid He's going to get us, but because He died for us on the cross, because He gave Himself up for us. 
I want you to look at some of those words, and then I'll close what some of these words mean. Jesus gave himself up to, number one, sanctify you. That he might sanctify her, talking about the church. means to make her holy. I mean, the, the same thought is used in the Old Testament about the vessels that were dedicated to be used in the tabernacle or in the temple. They were set apart to be used only for worship. Guess what? That's who we are. We've been bought and paid for the blood of Jesus. He has set us aside to Himself. We're supposed to belong to Him. Our lives are supposed to glorify Him. We're supposed to live lives of worship unto Him. He gave Himself up for us to set us apart to Himself to sanctify us. He also gave Himself up to do this, to cleanse you, to cleanse you. It means cleanse. It means to, to purge or purify. Jesus died on the cross so you and I can be clean. You need to let that soak in just for a minute. Because if you'd be honest, you've not been very clean in your life, and I've not been very clean in my life. The Bible says none of us are good, not one of us are good. But Jesus dying on the cross makes it possible for God to look at me as though I'm clean. Man, I love that, don't you? And in with that thought, that means we need to let him clean our, our guilt and our conscience and, and everything too. Sacrificial love ought to be transforming our lives. He cleanses us, but he cleanses us with a, with a special soap because it goes on. And it says he, Jesus gave himself up in order to wash you by the washing of water by the word. That's not talking about baptism. Sometimes the exact same word is used for baptism. But here the context of it doesn't mean baptism because in the tense in the Greek, it means constant washing, continual washing. See, being baptized in the water doesn't wash away sins anyway. That doesn't save you. The blood of Jesus takes care of your sin. The water baptism is a one-time thing that you go through. This cleansing that he's talking about here is a continual washing. And he says, by the washing of water, with what? With the Word. That's the soap right here, the Word of God, that Jesus wants to take and clean your life and my life and make us to be more like Him. The sacrificial love of Jesus ought to cause us to have the desire to be transformed by the Word of God, to allow it to wash us. And that means you have to read it, and you have to take it serious, and you have to apply it. It means this means more to you than just something you come to church and get a lesson of, and you take it home, and you put it on the shelf, and you don't mess with it again until the next time you go to church. It means this is a guiding factor in your life. It means you're taking this and allowing God to use it like soap to wash you, so you can be more like Jesus. She can be more transformed and be more like Him. The reason you ought to do it is because He gave Himself up for you. Remember that? The sacrificial love of Jesus ought to bring about transformation in our lives. He wants to wash you and He also wants to do this. He wants to present you. Man, if you've ever got an Easter thought, here's one I hope you'll remember. The Bible says, so that He might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. See, what, what it's saying is this. Jesus gave himself up for us. One day, we're not there yet, but one day when he comes and he takes the church to himself, there's going to be a great wedding take place. And one day in that moment in eternity, Jesus is going to present you to himself as a perfect bride and stand beside you. The word present means to stand beside, to exhibit. He's going to stand there with you and present you to his Father as the perfect bride of all eternity for himself. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to leave you the way that you were. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross for you even to leave you where you are now. Jesus, His sacrificial love ought to be transforming our lives from now until that day to when we experience ultimate transformation, ultimate glorification, and we're standing there beside Jesus being presented as His perfect, perfect, perfect bride. People spend a lot of money trying to get spots out, trying to get wrinkles out. Spend a lot of money, all these products they offer on TV, you know, trying to get you to get rid of the wrinkles and the lines and everything like that. You know what? Those won't matter in eternity. But there's some wrinkles in here that God takes care of if we'll allow Him to. That she might be holy and without blemish. I don't know how many weddings I've performed in about 29 years of ministry, a bunch. I've been really close to a couple of them when my daughters got married. And uh, they, they put a lot of planning into it, you realize that. It's not cheap, I figured that out. Well, they'll plan and they'll plan and they'll plan and they go and, you know, get the dress and it has to be just right and, and everything like that. You know, second time around, the first dress that Bethany looked at, she thought she liked there wasn't really good lighting and everything. And I, and I think she's probably trying to be, you know, kind to me, you know, because it was on sale and stuff like that. So she bought that one and then it wound up not being the dress. So we bought two of them. <laughs> You do what you do for your daughters, though. Amen? Luckily, someone called up and they bought the first one <laughs> after that. But then they'll get all dolled up, and you, and you see they'll, they'll go and get somebody to fix their hair, somebody to do their makeup. It's like a whole day event and everything like that. And, and then comes a time for that bride to walk in, and everyone turns, and they're looking at her, and she comes down with this you know glowing white dress on, all fixed up, perfect hair, perfect makeup, and, and she's there being presented as, as a beautiful bride. You know what? In all the years I've been in the ministry and all the weddings I've ever performed, I've never, ever had a bride to come down with a white dress on that she splashed mud on. Or come down with her hair just all messed up and makeup crooked and not had a bath in six months. I've never experienced that. Can you, can you imagine what the bridegroom would think when he, you know, because typically they don't see them until they walk down the aisle and here she comes with mud and dirt and filth and hair all over the place and. And she gets down there at the front and, 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 and looks at him, and he's thinking, what have I got into? You know, and, and, and then maybe even there before she starts the vows, by the way, I slept with somebody else last night. So I've, I've, never, I've never had a wedding like that. I don't think Jesus wants one either. He loved you. He died for you on the cross. He wants to be transforming your life into one day He presents you as part of His perfect bride. We need to quit throwing mud on ourselves. Being unfaithful to Him. And allow the sacrificial love of Jesus, Him dying on the cross for our sins, to cause us to have the desire to be transformed and allow Him to transform our lives from now until the moment we see Him face to face when we're ultimately presented as His bride. In order for that to happen, you're going to have to take serious that Jesus died for you. You're going to have to take serious that Jesus suffered on the cross for you. You're going to have to take serious what He says here. And allow Him to transform your life by His sacrificial love.
Now, someone's thinking, what does that have to do with marriage? Here's what it has to do. Husbands, Jesus is changing the church by his sacrificial love. Our motive shouldn't be, I'm afraid he'll get me with a lightning bolt. I'm afraid he'll be mean to me. I'm afraid he'll get me with a stick if I don't obey him, if I'm not, if I'm not good. That's not the motive. The motive is for the church to be changed and transformed by his sacrificial love. Listen to me, men. If there are things about your wife that you don't like, you can change it better by loving them sacrificially than you can by putting them down and being negative and critical. Ladies, if there are things that you need to change about your husband, you can change it by practicing submissive love instead of just putting him down and being critical. But the main point, the main point, you understand I'm doing two things today. It's about marriage, but it's about Jesus and his sacrifice. The main point is this. Jesus was submissive, He came into this world. He was submissive even to go to the cross and die for your sin. He sacrificed himself. He gave himself up. And we need to allow the sacrificial love of Jesus to transform our lives. Let's pray. Father, God, I want to thank you to begin with for you loving us as unlovable as we are. I thank you that, that Jesus was submissive and that he went to the cross for us. I thank you that he gave himself up to sacrificially love us. So, Father, I pray for believers in this place this morning. God, on, on this Easter day, That you would touch our hearts and and give us renewed commitments as as the followers of Christ to be transformed, changed, transformed by the sacrificial love of Jesus. Father, I God, I pray for marriages. Lord, I pray that you that you empower couples here that are married or or individuals that will be, that they will be able to practice biblical, submissive, and sacrificial love in the marriage relationship in a way that honors you and gives gives this world a picture of your love. God, I pray for our church. God, I pray you help us to make more of a difference in our culture. Help us to be submissive to Jesus so we can be an example to the world around us. God, help us to to stand upon your word, to make right stands, to stand for the truth. But God, make us, make the churches in this area more than just churches that stand on hot topics when they come along. But God, God, use our lives and burden us to make a difference all the time. Father, I pray for families today that are struggling and maybe didn't get a ham. They might be wondering right now what they're going to eat. Father, I pray that you would provide and that you would touch their hearts. Father, I pray for a church in Africa. Father, I pray you empower men to go from this place and that you provide every penny that's needed to put the roof on that church and to send these men to Africa so that people there may know about Jesus. In his sacrificial love. Help us realize that the sacrificial love is going to cost us something.
Father, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior. God, on this day, on this day we celebrate the resurrection of your Son who paid for our sins on the cross. Father, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, that you would extend an invitation to their heart and they would say yes on this Easter day to receive Christ as Savior. Make them part of your bride. And Father, help us as your bride to be transformed until we're that perfect bride in eternity for you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We talked about sacrificial love today. How is uh, how sacrificial love in your marriage? How's that going? How about the sacrificial love of Jesus? How are you allowing the sacrificial love of Jesus to affect your life and transform your life? John and the band is going to do a song that's a little bit of a longer song. And, and, and I tell you, instead of me dismissing you today, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'll be here at the front to pray with anyone that needs to come. And, and, and I... And I pray you'll be reflective this morning. You'll think about what Jesus has done for you. You'll think about how he offered himself up. He gave himself up to change us so we'll be a perfect bride for him. And if you need to come down as a Christian and pray and say, God, help the churches, help our church to be what it needs to be. God, transform us because of your love. Then I invite you to come and pray. Might be a husband and wife that need to come and pray and say, God, help us to be submissive and, and to love each other sacrificially. And maybe you need to receive Christ today as your Savior. But it's a longer song. There's plenty of time for you to be reflective and think and let God speak to your heart. And if I can help you, I'll be here at the front. If you need just to come and pray, come and pray. End of the song, you're free to go. I just ask you to listen to Jesus and do whatever He calls you to do right now. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.